Hey guys, it's me, Lexi, and you're listening to the Yes Podcast, where we believe the way to abundant life is through our yes to a surrendered and obedient life to Jesus. Come join me on this journey of saying yes to pursuing messy, holy faith, our God-given dreams, and having honest, sometimes awkward conversations about marriage, motherhood, and personal growth. Whether you're folding laundry, sitting in traffic, or drinking coffee on your couch, I'm so, so glad you're here. podcast. Today I have the honor of chatting with Amy Gannett. Amy recently launched her first book, Fix Your Eyes Into the World, and today we're going to be chatting all about it. Um, Amy, thank you again so much for being here. It is so fun to actually chat with you and see your face and see your beautiful new office and all the things happening. (laughs) Uh, But before we get into Fix Your Eyes, I just wanted to have you introduce yourself for those that might not know you. And another thing, you're the first person I'm asking to do this on the podcast, but um, I would love to know how you became a Christian. I feel like we learned so much about people asking that Mm -hmm. question. So I would love to just know about what you're doing in life right now and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's really fun. Um, to be a part of a community that is, you know, seeking the Lord together. So I'm honored to be here and glad to share how I became a Christian. Um, I'll give a little snapshot of my life now, um, and then I'll backtrack and tell a little bit of my um, journey of faith. Um, My life right now, we were chatting about this before we started recording. Um, I do like a handful of things online. So I'm an author. Um, I just published Fix Your Eyes with BH Publishing. So it's my first trade book in the, that's been traditionally published, which is really exciting. Um, and then I um, write, I keep a blog, I have a newsletter. I run a small shop called Tiny Theologians where I make um, theological resources for kids and for their parents seeking to know God better and understand the historic faith um, and have, really have an answer for why we have the hope that we profess, right? Mm. That's um, the mission of Tiny Theologians. And um, so that's kind of my online life, but my daily life is spent in local church ministry. My husband and I are church planters. We're planting in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, It's our joy to serve Trinity Church Greenville. And um, we're two years into the church planting journey and um, it has been a wild ride to plant a church Mm. through 2020. Um, But we are just really grateful for what God is doing. So my nine to five each week is really spent in the church planting realm. And um, I'm a wife to Austin, who's the lead pastor of our church and mom to little Emerson. Um, So that's a snapshot of what my life looks like now, but I was raised in a Christian home. I grew up in the Midwest. My parents raised me from a young age to know who God was. Um, But when I was young, I remember having a conversation with my mom about heaven, you know, sort of this abstract conversation about heaven. And I don't even remember if somebody had passed away and we were talking about it or if it came up in a book we were reading. But all of a sudden, this idea that there was a place to go when you died sort of gripped my heart. And I asked my mom about it. And she explained that those who um, asked Christ to be their savior um, were um, saved and that they were given new life in Christ and that they would spend eternity with God when they died. And, um, I wanted that. And so I prayed with her. I mean, it's one of my earliest memories. I prayed with her on the old gray couch in our living room and asked oh, wow. Jesus to forgive my sins and be my savior. 
Um, and for a lot of people, you know, that process of asking Christ into their heart or asking Jesus to be their savior, um, you know, sort of encapsulates the whole story. But for me, I just see that as like the beginning of this salvation story in my life. The Lord unfolded it in every season as was appropriate to that age. When I um, grew up a little bit, I had a deeper understanding of what it meant to take ownership of my sin, but also to let Christ um, pay the penalty for my sin, you know, as I understood the concept of sin more deeply. Um, and as I grew up, I learned what discipleship meant and what it looked like to walk with God, not just be saved, but also live a life of a saved child of God. And so it sort of unfolded throughout my coming up years. And then the Lord led me to go to Bible school. Um, I went to Moody Bible Institute for college where I continued to grow. A lot of people think that you go there to become a professional <laughs> Christian, you know, but I've just continued to grow. I mean, it was all of these things that I was learning was very applicable to my personal walk of faith. And um, from there, he led me to seminary, which is where I met my husband. And we have kind of lived all over the place since, um, but the Lord has landed us here in Greenville, North Carolina. So I'm thankful for every season that the Lord has had us in. That's awesome. I loved hearing about you and Austin in the book as well. I love that you added in how you met and your first home and all those things. I really loved getting that snapshot of your life. It was really beautiful to hear. So you um, clearly have a love for theology and the Lord. And I think that's really beautiful. So you just wrote a book called Fix Your Eyes. And I wanted to ask you, what prompted you to write this book now? Well, a lot of this came out of my own desire to see something um, that sort of filled a gap that I was noticing within the church and within myself. So not just looking at and being like, oh, there's this problem in the church, uh, uh, you know, on the broader scale, but saying there's this problem in my own heart. Mm -hmm. um, I was noticing that there were sort of Christians that grouped themselves into thinking Christians or Christians that grouped themselves into feeling Christians. So there were sort of those who liked theology, liked doctrine. Um, enjoyed, you know, intentional Bible study, that sort of thing. And then there were Christians that were like, I enjoy worship. I enjoy the Psalms and I love worship music and worship events and stuff like that. But there wasn't a lot of interaction between the two. And I knew for my own study, and I, I knew this dichotomy in my own heart, right? I either group myself as a thinking Christian and then my theology, what I believe about God doesn't actually play itself out in a life of worship. It just becomes something that makes me arrogant because I feel like I have all the right answers mm -hmm. or something. Or I think of myself as a feeling Christian, a uh, worshiping Christian. And really what I'm looking for a lot of times is a worship experience of God or an experience of God's presence. But I found that if it's not actually undergirded with truth, with theological substance, it doesn't have staying power in my mm. life. So I would look for these you know, the next worship event or the next spiritual high or the next experience of God's presence. So I was kind of oscillating between these two polar sides of the conversation and realizing all along, these two were meant to lead to each other. Theology mm -hmm. is meant to lead us to worship. What we believe about God should flow out in our daily lives of worship and discipleship. And so it really compelled me to start doing this own, this work in my own heart. And then also to help others, like people in my local church, people in my sphere of influence, those who um, really want to know who is this God that I profess to follow? And then how do I follow him? When I learn about him being triune, when I learn that God is Trinity, what does that mean for my daily mm -hmm. life of discipleship? Like I'm a stay at home mom and I've got toddlers running around the house. Like, how does this actually touch down in my daily life? So I wanted to write it for that purpose. The other purpose that the other need that I saw for this resource, as it sort of started rumbling around in my heart, 
not only did I want to bring together these two sort of the thinking Christian, feeling Christian camps, but I also really, um, I, I encounter this a lot in ministry that somebody will say, hey, I really want to start learning about theology. Where can I start? And honestly, I mean, you you can see, you know, we, we have a video <laughs> chat. Up. We have so many resources in our mm-hmm. library. I mean, we have shelves and shelves and we downsize to move into this new study. So <laughs> like it. we, we have boxes elsewhere. Right. And I still felt like I didn't have a good baseline systematic theology that I could mm. hand to a lay person. Um, I was either handing them a book that was on one topic they were interested in. So not an overview resource. Mm. It was either on, you know, one really specific, it, like I could hand them a book on the Trinity but I couldn't hand them a, a book on theology, you know, right. or I had to hand them a book on theology that was like 800 pages, you know? And so yes. then anybody who wants to like step into theology for the first time is like, I can't do this. You know, <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> right. Um, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to write that resource. Um, and so my theological training prepared me for it, but also um, I really wanted it to be practical. Like I didn't yeah. want it to just be, information, but formation for the Christian life. So that's part of why I wanted to write this and why God, I think led me to do it now. Yeah. Well, and you did it. You did that. I'm hearing the reasons why. And I read the book and that's exactly mm-hmm. how I felt reading it. It really, I didn't so go, to hear that. I mean, it really is. I, I am one of those people. So you're describing the person I'm the stay at home mom who I didn't go to college. And if I could now I wanted to study theology and it's not an option at the moment for us. And so I, I mean, I've looked around and have, Mm. you know, done my best to, okay, how do I teach myself how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible? Um, You have a phenomenal resource for that. um, The membership program that you do, which I'm also Mm -hmm. a part of, and I've gotten so much out of that. And, but there's, it's true that um, it's, it's hard. It feels overwhelming at times to know, like, where do you start and what do you do? And I think that you did a great job of handing a resource to someone like Mm -hmm. me. And so many of us who are wanting to start somewhere and are trying to figure out what even is theology. I want to know the Lord, Mm -hmm. but we don't really get this training at church so often as Mm -hmm. well. Um, so I think you accomplished that goal. So good, good I'm job. So I'd love glad to hear that, to that hear was it. your purpose. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> of so course. Glad to hear that. I'm and, so encouraged by you it. You know, and I hope to one day have as many books as you do behind you. This is making my heart so happy to look at all those books. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> I love it. It's a library, um, <laughs> so you can check them out. It's so great. <laughs> so something along those lines that um you start in your book. I think it's the, it's not the first chapter. It's like the introductory um, Mm -hmm. part of the book. You talk about being in seminary. Mm -hmm. It was a seminary. Yes. And um, the professor said that you are a theologian and this was really cool for me to read. I have never heard someone describe it the way you did, or even just say that. I feel like Mm -hmm. that title is really for certain types of people. Mm. And, um, it gave me a lot of hope knowing, okay, wait, I'm not too far behind. I'm not out of reach from, from that. So I would love for you just to talk about that part in the book, if you don't mind, and just expand on that a bit. Cause I felt it just brought so much hope and encouragement for someone Mm. like me, who's so, you know, wants to learn to study the word. And you gave us kind of the, the permission to do it. 
And so mm. I would love for you to, to talk about that. Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, this is something that was actually really formative for me. The scene that I described in the book is that I had a professor on the first day of class, my very first class of Bible school, basically lean over his teaching podium and say, you are a theologian. And I remember thinking, wait a second, I came here to become a theologian. I came here to learn theology, to become someone who maybe could someday be a theologian. <laughs> um, and yet his whole point was that theology is simply what we believe about God mm. and what we know to be true about God. And so before we had read anything or studied anything, before we had sat for an exam or written a paper or sat in a class, we already had a theology in place. We right. were already people who had a belief system about God in place. And so we already were theologians. And so the question wasn't, are you a theologian or could you become a theologian? Since you're already a theologian, the question is, is, are you a good one? That's yeah. what we ask our class. And <clears throat> I think it's really encouraging to any of us. It's really encouraging and discouraging, right? It's really encouraging to any of us that have like aspired to be theologians. Like we already are, we already have beliefs in place about who God is. The discouraging part of it is that we may believe things that don't end up to scripture. And we, if we leave that untested, we may not realize how much poor theology lives within our souls. Right. So we want to test our theology against God's word and become good theologians. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, So there aren't theologians and non-theologians. There are just literally theologians, all of us. (laughs) Yeah. There are, um, there are those of us who are growing to become more and more biblical in our theology. And so that's the invitation. That's the invitation of fix your eyes, the book. And that's the invitation of God on our lives of discipleship. We get to grow our entire lives um, in becoming better and better theologians. Yeah. And I guess that kind of answers my next question, which is why does theology matter? Because if we are all theologians and we are all, we all have this idea of what we, we believe about God already. Right. Um, so why does theology matter to, then? How does that impact our day to day? Yeah. Well, the point of theology is being able to say who like to say true and right things about God. Um, and a lot of people would probably try to convince us that we could say just about anything yeah. and, you know, I can have a view of God. You can have a view of God. That's the pluralistic world that we live in. Like I can, say one thing about God that could totally contradict something you say about God. And we can just kind of all be like, it can just all be true. Um, But the truth is, is that we actually as Christians profess to worship a speaking God, God himself has not left us with no concept of who he is. He has actually told us who he is and what he is like. And he has done that in his word. And so we want to be people who say true things about God because he has told us about himself. So it's a really unloving thing for me to sit down with my husband and to say, I really want to get to know you. Um, I want to be the person you're closest to, you know, as your spouse, I want to devote my life to knowing who you are. And then he's like, well, you know, here's something you should know about me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, don't tell me any specifics. I like, just want to like, theoretically know you. Like, <laughs> right. I just kind of want to feel like I know you. <laughs> I want to feel like I know you have my own idea of who you are and then feel close to you mm. as a result. And he's going to sit there and think, 
okay, you can do that, but you're never going to be close to me mm-hmm. if you don't know who I say I am, because yeah. I, he's going to be the best expert on who he is. And so I think that that it's an imperfect metaphor, it, but it serves us well to remind us that knowing someone grows us in loving someone right and to know someone we have to let that someone speak and our God speaks he speaks through his word he tells us who he is and so that's why theology is so important because God has spoken and um, it's going to show up in the way that we relate to him on a daily basis in everything that we do yeah it's interesting what you mentioned earlier about the feeling Christian and the uh knowing Christian, is that what it was? Yeah. The thinking, two, feeling, thinking yeah, and yeah, feeling, it's the same, thing. Um, it's the same, it's the thing, same yeah. type of thing. And I, re- I remember, I mean, even still, especially in like high school in junior high, I was, um, very much like the nerdy Christian type and would wear like the Chacos. I can relate. And, um, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. all about that. Like <laughs> I will die as a missionary. I was like 13, that type of person. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And I remember thinking that this is, this is how messed up the theology was at that time, but that people who study the Bible and they were all about like knowing God were just like missing the whole point. It was like, no, it's about being in love with Jesus. Mm. And he's, you know, it's this in love thing. It's about feelings and the emotion. And, and thankfully I grew out of that. I mean, not out of the being in love with Jesus thing, right, but understanding but... that we also love God by knowing God yeah, and that that goes hand in hand and that we need both. And I just yeah. really love that you've tied those, <laughs> tied those things. And like, no, you need both. You can't yeah. just feel the emotion of, um, worship and loving Jesus, but also dedicating right. time to knowing who he is and that that is a form of, of love towards God as well. So I love that. Yes, and you are, you are right. Like your high school self wasn't wrong. There are people who know a lot about God and their love towards him is cold. Yeah. So maybe you had witnessed that or picked up on that. And I have been that Christian. So you may mm-hmm. have been the feeling side yes. of the Christian spectrum, but I was the knowing side. I was yeah. Um, rigid in my convictions and confident in what I believed, even though now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I believe that. You know, like <laughs> right. we just grow up, like God grows us up by his grace, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, yeah. but both sides, if, if theology is devoid of worship, it's not really theology because yeah. it's not really knowing God. And if right. worship is devoid of theology, it's not really worship. Because yeah. it's not really loving the God who is. Yeah. And so I think that's that's what you were feeling probably. You were probably yeah. feeling that tension, uh, which can be true, but hopefully, Lord, let it just not be said of any of us. Yeah. And and now even still, I mean, we all struggle with that, I think, of knowing we yeah. want, we just want to love God well, I think. Right. And I think people, we have a hard time understanding how to do that best. And so I think it's right. just really important. And I love that you bring up theology and this whole book is about, it's okay Mm -hmm. to also study and get to know the Lord. That doesn't take away, um, the feelings in the opposite way you need. If you're going to study and know the Lord, you also have to invest emotionally and, and develop that intimacy with the Lord. And so I think that it's just a really beautiful way. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways we can be in a relationship with God and it's not just one or the other, but it's both. And I think that's great. It's just multifaceted. Like in a relationship, I think a lot of times we boil down our relationship to God as if it's like, I mean, it is a totally different relationship than we're going to have with any human, but sometimes we make it totally 
foreign, like as if no relational things are at play, but like, goodness, my relationship with my husband tells me a lot about what it means to be in relationship with someone just in general, what it means to be in relationship with someone. And so it's really important that we not forget that like knowing and loving God goes hand in hand, knowing and worshiping God goes hand in hand. So just like I dedicate myself to be um, a woman who knows her husband, like who learns about him. And as we Mm -hmm. go through trials together, I'm like, Oh, that's how you respond to stress in these situations. Or, Mm -hmm. um, this is what makes you feel insecure. Or this is what makes you feel confident. Just like I would be a student of my spouse. I want to be a student of the Lord. And so sometimes we need to actually pull it. I think back, at least for me, I need to like pull it back into the realm of relationship. God wants us to spend time with him. Um, he wants our attention. He wants our affection. And he took the first step towards us. Right. Because he's a communicating God. He has taken that first step towards us. Praise God. He's taken the first step in our direction so that we could know him because otherwise left to our own devices. We know we couldn't. So, so something you said, I wrote this down. I might not get this word for word. So forgive me, but in the book, you talk about how worship is what happens when what we love, what we love shapes us. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes with what we're talking about because we all worship something, whether Mm -hmm. we are aware of it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. So could you expand on what that means? And yeah, what does that mean for us and how we view the Bible and studying the word? Yeah. Um, well, this concept isn't original to me. Those who read the book um, will see that I credit um, James K.A. Smith, who's one of my favorite authors about, mm-hmm. um, he wrote a book called You Are What You Love. Um, yeah. And he's right. He's basically saying that we will change our lives and wrap them around the people and things that we love. And so we, the question is for him is, do you love what you say you love? Mm-hmm. You know, like we may say, he gives this great example. It's really um, kind of funny and winsome and we can all relate to it. He talks about how um, he kind of wanted to step into this new um, lifestyle of, I don't think it was veganism, but it was like this new lifestyle of eating whole food and stuff like that. And so he found himself reading a book about it while sitting in like the Costco food court, eating a hot dog. <laughs> and he was like, you know, here I am telling myself, I'm a person who's going to like be all about this new way of life, ethics of food and eating whole foods and stuff. But I may not love what I say I love because here I am eating a Costco (laughs) hot dog. Right. And, um, I thought that is so, such a great visual for so many of our lives. Right. Um, we will, um, let our lives be shaped by the people and things that we love. When we love someone, we'll move across the country to be with them. We'll move across oceans to be with them. We will change our lives. We will sometimes even try to change who we fundamentally are Mm. for love. And, um, the problem is, is that we just don't always love what we think we love. Um, and so as Christians, we proclaim that we love God, um, but often we don't let that love shape us or disciple us or change us. And um, that's what worship is. Worship is when what we love changes us and shapes yeah. us and forms us in daily life. And so if we are people who truly love God, he's going to shape us in everyday ways, in yeah. the um, ways that we behave, in the ways that we um live our lives in the ways that we respond to our children when they're throwing a fit or being disobedient, the ways we respond to our spouse when we feel um, conflict is coming on. I mean, all of these things are going to be ways that we 
that can be shaped. They're all opportunities to be shaped by the things that we love and by the God that we love. Yeah. And so worship is what happens, not just in church. When we close our eyes, raise our hands, and sing a song worship is what happens when what we love finds its feet in our daily lives. Um, and if we love God, we're going to let him form us more and more like himself in all of these different areas of our lives. Yeah, that's very well said. I, I think a lot of times I have those moments where I realize, wow, I don't know um, why I'm acting this way. Like I'll either lash out at, you know, my husband or something. And my first gut instinct is the Lord's like, you're not abiding. And we got to see that fruit there. And, you know, and, and I think that there's that, that worship comes in. It's a good, it's a good way that we can see, um, take some, I think, evaluation of our lives. Like where am I putting, yeah. What, what do I love? Because what I love should be in action. Like what you're saying, you should see that in, in our lives. And I think that's just a great way to look at it. And I think it's good to, to know, okay, yeah, worship isn't just Sunday mornings. Worship really is, um, like you said, it's day to day. And so it, it affects yeah. everything. everything. This, um, I mean, this book about theology and understanding theology and also how in, and a huge part of it is, okay, this is how you worship as well. This yeah. is going to impact your whole life. And, yeah. um, that changes our perspective of what it means right. to know God then, because right. if it is, if it matters that much, <laughs> That's our theology right. impacts that much, then it is really important that we know the Lord the way that we should. And we know the yeah. right God. We're really studied and knowing the Lord. I, I was reflecting on that a lot. What, what am I beholding and how is mm. that? affecting my day today? How is that coming out in worship? And that's really good. Um, so I know the book writing process can be challenging and ups and downs and all these things. And I'm so happy that you got this book out there and it's in the hands of real life people. Um, but I'm curious, what are, what is something that you learned about God in the process of writing it? Did he surprise you in any ways? Yeah, I have been so thankful. I mean, we signed this contract. I say we, my husband and I made the decision for me to sign the contract when we were home with our first daughter three days from the hospital. I mean, Mm -hmm. she had just been born and it was sort of like, really God, you're gonna, I mean, it was like all in one, um, fell swoop. Like we had planted a church. We surprised we're having a baby, which was a great surprise. Something we had wanted for a long time. And then, um, all of a sudden this book opportunity came along and I have had book opportunities in the past. And I felt a lot of peace about saying no, but this was the one the Lord was like, this is the one, this is mm. the one to say yes to. And I was like, really all of it right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it was not according to my agenda. Yeah. Um, it was according to God's agenda, but it also was not by my power. It was by God's mm. power. And so I was so not all, I mean, all the typical things I was convicted as I wrote this book, I learned so much about God as I wrote this book, as I did the research, all of these things. Right. Yeah. But I was so, um, I was so cast on the grace of God mm. that there was absolutely no way in my power to accomplish this on my own. There was yeah. zero way. And so I am just so grateful. The Lord has just been so good to me. Um, to there are even chapters that I look back on and I'm like, wow, that was written. Like I can remember that was written after being up all night with a baby who wouldn't sleep and wouldn't mm. nurse. And like the Lord just sustained me for the writing that he had. And like, that's 
that's just God's grace. So yeah. I did get to see in a fresh way, God sustain me for something he called me to yeah. in a way that I just could, I wouldn't have been on my own. Yeah. I love to hear that. This is why I named this the yes podcast, because we do things, we say yes to God. He yeah. is the one that comes in and does the work through us. It's his power, his ability. That's right. It's not through our Amen. hustle, our strength. We can't do it. Amen. Or we You're can, exactly right. but it's not going to be for the glory of God. And we're going to burn out probably in the process. So. Oh, what a boring life. What a to boring look life. Back and be like, I did all the things that I could have done on my own. Yeah. Like no. I need to do, I did all these things in my own power. No, like, I don't, I don't want that. You don't want that. Well, and we're after saying yes to God. We're after eternal fruit, right? Yeah. So that can only be accomplished through the Lord. It can exactly right. A lot of people do a lot, a lot of people do a really, a lot of really cool things. And I think that that's the challenge Mm -hmm. sometimes is, well, people are successful. People are doing things like, but we're after eternal kingdom things. things. And that is a different type of yes. That's a different type of thing. That's exactly right. You're exactly right. So I'm curious what, well, I mean, you're in the middle of this. This is probably what you're saying yes to right now is this book launch and all (laughs) these things. But is there something that the Lord is like? telling Amy, okay, I want you to say yes to this in this season and that he's sustaining yeah. you through. Yeah. Um, one of the things that comes to mind when I first read that question, cause you sent it over in advance, but one mm-hmm. of the things that came to mind is actually kind of a more, um, long-term, um, thing that I feel like the Lord's asking me in an ongoing way to say yes to. And, um, my husband and I, like I said, are church planters. And one of the things that comes with church planting, when you're a part of God breaking new ground in your community, yeah. new spiritual ground, is you get people from lots of backgrounds. You know, we've got people from Presbyterian churches and Methodist churches and non-denom churches and Baptist churches and Presbyterian, I already said Presbyterian. So like <laughs> we have like people from lots of different backgrounds that come and join our church which means you've got people with lots of different practices and lots of different opinions about things and different political backgrounds and different um, cultural viewpoints. And um, one of the things that God has called us to is to hold um, tightly to the essentials of the Christian faith and to hold loosely to the non-essentials. And it bears good fruit. Let me tell you, when we rally around the gospel and when we rally around the unchanging God of the Bible, And we say God's word proves true. And we say, you know, on the second, you know, stance, the second tier doctrinal issues, things like baptism, where we would say, you know, we practice believers baptism at our church. We would not say though, that somebody who practices infant baptism is unbiblical. We would just say that's not our practice. So we still practice things with confidence on these second tier issues, but goodness, by having a tight grip on the essentials and having a loose grip on the non-essentials has just served our church so well and maintained such wonderful, beautiful church unity. Um, so that has been such a gift, but I will also say it is so much more work. <laughs> yes. It's just so much oh, more yeah. Work. yeah. Because there's a reason that we see churches that explode in mm-hmm. size, like they grow really fast, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then what do we see later? It comes out that there was this like really controlling leadership structure. Right. People were pressured into sort of signing on to things that maybe weren't essential doctrines of the Christian faith, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. There's a reason that those two correlate because it's yeah. way easier to be controlling and demanding as a leader. Yeah, it's way absolutely. easier to do that, but it bears bad fruit. Yeah. And so God has convicted me. Um, my husband is so faithful at this. I'm more <laughs> of like the, oh, this is just good. It's so tiring. 
to keep an open hand mm. and to tell people, oh, I know you see this differently than somebody in your small group and we're still going to seek unity and remember the big picture. Like it's yeah. so much more work to, it's more um, shepherding work. Like it's mm. more of a, a ministry work to do it that way, but gosh, it just bears good fruit. And so yeah. God has just given us a renewed vision and a renewed passion to do it that way. You yeah. Know? That's incredible that because that I think capital C church, we, we need to do a better job of that all together, Amen. right? We have, so, C church. We we have, have so much in common, so much division happening over things that, oh, it's just, it breaks my heart to see the things yeah. that down to just friendships, to yep. church breakups, to all types of things. This is something that needs to be and talked about. And it doesn't about. have to happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't, doesn't have, to, have happen. to happen. No, because we're not building our little K kingdoms. We're building right. Christ's kingdom. Right. So right. we can like not be concerned with our opinions on everything. We can keep first what God keeps first. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that that is a long-term thing. I think that, I think a lot more people are starting to see that. And I just hope Mm -hmm. that people start really, you know, speaking up about it and practicing it in their own lives, because man, I I see friendships break up, break over things like that. And it just breaks my heart. So I Uh love that. I'm glad that that's on your heart. And I'm glad that that's something that you're practicing, even though it's not easy. Cause I can, I know that that is not easy because that, (laughs) that requires a lot of conversations, a lot of understanding, a lot of grace. Oh my gosh. A lot of grace. Um, so bless you in that, but bears more fruit, that bears more fruit at the end of the day, bears great fruit. It's worth it. It's worth it. That's right. That's right. I appreciate you chatting with us and I, um, just love, I love this book. I really enjoyed reading it. It's not only, I think something people need to know is that it's not a theology book. That's boring. (laughs) It's not very, it's not super wordy, wordy, but you get the theology, but you get the personal stories you feel. Um, I feel like I know you a little bit more after reading that book. It's really fun to read. It's a really, um, it's just a really you, a great writer. You just communicated Thanks. so well. So I just really appreciate you saying yes to writing that book. I think that it's going Thanks. to um, change a lot of people and really push them towards Jesus. So mm-hmm. I appreciate it so much. And it's been so fun to have you here today. Um, I know you have a busy life and a lot going on, a lot of good things, a lot of really a lot good, of good things, but just a lot, a lot of, great of things. <laughs> a lot of them, but they're all good. So, okay. Amy, where can people, before we log off here, where can people find you? Um, what can they, where can they get your book? All the things. Yeah. So the book is available really anywhere books are sold, but if you want to go to the homepage for it, you can go to fixyourizebook.com and it's going to take you to my website and it just tells you what the book is about and who it's for. And then I'll give you all the links um, where okay. you can order it. So Amazon, Target, um, Barnes and Noble, christianbook.com, all of these places. You can find it just about anywhere. Okay. You can find me on Instagram, Amy Kate Gannett. Um, and you can check out Tiny Theologians at Tiny Theologians or at tinytheologians.shop. Yes, I love the Tiny Theologians. It is so the name. I love the name. It's kind of killer. It's, it's I mean, so there's cute. nothing cuter. And the logo is a little pair of baby glasses. Yes. And I mean, there's just nothing cuter. You, it than can't a nerdy get any baby. better. There is it can't nothing get any better. Cuter than a nerdy baby. And like you said, we're all theologians. So come on. That's right. The toddlers so why, and all of us. That's right. They're gonna get it from somewhere. They might as well get it from God's word. Oh, I love it so much. Okay, well, thanks for being here today. We really appreciate you. Likewise, thanks, Lexi.
Hey friend, if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, would you take a quick second and screenshot this episode and share it on your social media account? It would mean so much to me and help me get this little podcast baby out to the world. Make sure to tag me so I can personally thank you for sharing. You can find me hanging out on Instagram at Lexi Norell, that's one R, double L, and at Lexi Norell on Facebook. Excited to see you over here again for the next episode. And in the meantime, come hang out with me on the gram.